0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with tech stuff from howstuffworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at How Stuff Works. Sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there, Chris. Download any good books lately? As a matter of fact, I have. Wow. I, I didn't expect that to actually work. Ah, uh-huh. well, uh, as you could tell, we're going to talk about electronic books today, or e-books, right? Um, I think we were inspired to do this because we uh, we just recently put an article up on our website, right? That uh, somebody who wrote that—that'd oh, be me. Oh yeah, about the Amazon. I'm all Kindle. All about the
1: self-promotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wrote an article about the Amazon Kindle, but before we get into ebook readers, because I mean that's. Really just part of the story. I guess we can talk about ebooks themselves. Um, now, of course, electronic books, that's just, it's a book in electronic format so that you read it with an electronic device such as a computer or an ebook reader or an iPhone or whatever, right? It's just, it's an electronic device that can access this sort of file and display it. Absolutely. Um, and they were kind of, it's interesting. It was actually kind of slow to catch on. Um, considering that, you know, we, we, we really got the World Wide Web back in what, like 92, essentially. And, uh, and it was all text back then. There were hardly any graphics. And, uh, and yet the idea of using the internet to distribute books took a while. Um, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of publishers kind of dragging their feet on the whole issue. And in fact, I remember back in 2000, you may remember this as well, Chris. Um, there was a very famous author who kind of made a splash about trying to do a, uh, an electronic book publication, um, strategy that hadn't really been done before. I'm talking about Stephen King. Uh huh. Do you remember this at all? Um, actually, no, I no? don't. Okay. So back in 2000, he, First, he released an uh, a novella, which of course is longer than a short story, but shorter than a novel. Uh, it's called Writing the Bullet, and he re- published that electronically, so you could download that and read it, you know, whenever. Um, and then he decided he was going to try something new. He was going to try and publish a book chapter by chapter, offering each chapter up for download for, I think it was, a, originally, I think it was a dollar a chapter. And uh, he said that he was going to monitor how many people downloaded the book. And as long as 75% of the people who downloaded the book were paying for the book, he would continue to write. Okay, now I'm
0: starting to remember that now. Right. Okay, yeah. And if
1: it dipped below 75%, Uh game over. He stops. So, first chapter comes out. And apparently he does more than 75% of the business, Thanks. and so uh, people actually pay for it. And uh, then the second chapter comes out and dipped a little bit. I think it actually hit 70%, but they went ahead and did the third chapter. Fourth chapter, as I recall, he doubles the price. Now it's 2 bucks for the chapter, but he also doubles the output. So it's about twice as many pages as you would have received in one of the previous installments.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I think it only got up to six chapters. And then it stopped in in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, there's been no progress on the plant, which is the name of the book. Um, so that experiment kind of fizzled. But I think it laid the groundwork for the electronic books uh, industry that we see today. It's just that it was one of those early attempts that didn't quite make it.
0: Now There have been other uh, publishers who have tried – different experiments like that. And usually I think it's based on the, uh, the will of the author trying to, you know, get the experiment started. People like, uh, Cory Doctorow, Mm -hmm. um, especially the, I think the most recent effort, uh, Little Brother, it, it did pretty well after, uh, making it available on, you know, for free on digital download. Uh, it's still, sold a lot of copies. Uh, Neil Gaiman has also offered some of his work sure. um, online for free.
1: My wife's going to kill me because I forgot the name of the author, but the author of the Dresden Files, um, he always or seems to always uh, uh, offer up the first few chapters of whichever novel has just come out uh, for free so that it's essentially you, you get a chance to get hooked into the story. Now it's just the first few chapters, so you still have to go out and buy a copy of the book. Yeah. but it it has been a very effective way of of getting new readers. Yes.
0: He wouldn't uh, if you will butcher.
1: Oh, yes, Jim Butcher. Thank you. <laughs> thank work. you. Yes, now my wife will uh only maim me <laughs> instead of kill me. Well, you know, I would, I'm also a fan of the books. He, she yeah. she's the mega fan and I'm I'm also a fan. But there are other ones as well who do yeah. the same sort of thing. They yeah. they authors either put up an entire book or part of a book Uh, as a way to, but not, but that's still usually a way to sell the physical book.
0: Yeah, it's, it's sort of a way to whet the appetite. Uh, Bain offers a a science fiction, uh, publisher offers free books, um, for download, um, from time to time. And a lot of times those are the first in a series, um, tour. Another right. science fiction sure. fantasy publisher uh, did that not too long ago. And it, when you asked me the question, it hadn't been that long ago that I downloaded uh, six or 7 uh ebooks from there. Um, and um, actually, at one point, McGraw-Hill, the uh, educational publisher, was offering something that they called beta books. Now, last time I went on the site, I don't think they're doing this the same way they used to, but they were offering um, pre-printed versions of the book. Uh, the point was it was in beta. It was unfinished. Um, if you had a correction that you saw, you know, Hey, wow, this thing is completely wrong. What you mean to do is here or there's a typo in this page. You could actually contact McGraw-Hill and let them know, which was kind of a different thing, but you still got access to that content, which was, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. But most of these are offered in uh, PDF format. Sure. Or, um, you know, the Windows reader format, which has been the sort of the de facto the two de facto standards, standards for sure. for ebooks over the, you know the course of uh, ebookdom mainly because most people are reading them on their computers until
1: the amazon kindle came along really well sort um, of well I mean, I mean, you had other ebook readers before but i don't think they had the same sort of they didn't get the same sort of press or uh, adoption rates as the kindle although it's arguable whether or not the Kindles even had a really high adoption rate, because hardly anyone ever seems to see them.
0: Right. Well, um, the two I first came in contact with, and we're talking more than ten years ago, um, are the uh, the Rocket Book and the Soft Book, uh, both of which were very early designs. They uh, they basically supported text and they had LCD screens, um, and uh, they. They probably would seem more primitive to uh, those familiar with the Amazon Kindle because you had to hook them up to your computer. Sure. Um, you know, the battery life was 20 hours, you know, stuff like that uh, really just didn't catch on, even though some of them, uh, one of them had a leather cover uh, to design it. And one of them was actually the size, about the size of a paperback book. You'd think maybe, you know, some people would buy it, but it really just didn't take off. I mean, as a matter of fact, you may, those of you listening, may never have heard of these. Uh, just simply because they just didn't get the press.
1: And, and I, well, I think it goes beyond so just the, the, yeah, I think it goes beyond just the press issue. Um, I think for a lot of people, particularly of our generation or older, um, it's hard to imagine replacing the experience of reading a physical book with an electronic version. Um, um, There're certain things that you just associate with reading. You associate that the feel of the paper or even the smell of a book. And these seem like kind of silly things to talk about, but I think I think for some people it really is part of what they associate with, you know, reading a, a book and if you don't have that, it doesn't really feel like you're reading. Um also things like uh, the LCD screens, they they tend to to cause a lot of eye strain. So after you were it's just like if you've been staring at a computer all day long, do you have any idea what that's like, Chris? Yeah. 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 I, I do too. And after you've been staring at a computer for a while, you do get eye strain. You know, your eyes get tired. And, um, that was part of the problem with one, some of these earlier ebook readers as well. They, they use the same sort of technology that you would find in a LCD computer screen. And, um, so yeah, that I think ha- played a factor into the whole slow, Adoption rate as well, where yeah, you had the availability, but the technology just didn't appeal to people quite as much.
0: Yep, and I think uh, that's why the Sony Reader and the Amazon Kindle, which are the the current generation of ebook readers, mm-hmm. um, that's a big part of it. Is uh, this little company in Cambridge, Massachusetts? Yes, E Ink. Yep, I love the E Ink. I actually have, uh, I, I don't have an, uh, an electronic book reader, but. I have messed with the Sony reader in uh, a Borders bookstore um which is one of the the retail outlets uh that you can find them in and um you, you you should at least take a look at it because e-ink is completely different from LCD. Right. Um basically inside the display of a Sony reader or an Amazon Kindle what you have are little capsules. And inside the little capsules are more little capsules that are floating in a liquid. Right. Um And on either side of the larger capsule is uh, an electronic um, – An electrode. Yeah, an electrode. Yeah. And – yeah, which is the funny name for that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, it's okay. (sighs) I just wrote the article, Chris. It's all right.
0: It's all right. All right. Um, So what happens is you put a positive or a negative charge and it draws the little capsules inside which have pigment in them. Right. To one side or another and you can actually – by fine-tuning that charge, you can actually make different shades of gray mm-hmm. or black or light. And you form pictures and letters and that's how –
1: that's why it looks like ink. I mean it really kind of is ink. And uh, uh, yeah. so it it's designed so that it, they, there's no backlight to nope. these screens. Um, so it, it looks – to your eye kind of the same way as what if you were looking at
0: a piece of paper with it, ink on it it's really remarkable the similarity i mean if you've ever looked at it uh, did that experiment in science class where you had to look at a piece of newsprint under a microscope right. you could see that it's you know made up of tiny little dots yeah it's the same principle really yeah it it really works very very similarly and so the it's uh,
1: the the nice thing also is that it takes less energy to run one of these devices than it would for an uh, LCD screen because it's not powering a backlight. Essentially, it only needs to exert energy whenever a you're changing a page, when you're changing an image. Like if you're not just changing a page, but if you were like increasing the font size or whatever, it would have to exert some it would have to exert some energy in order to to make the change visible. But Between those, it doesn't have to use up any electricity. So you have a battery charge that lasts a longer time. In fact, the Kindle, uh, Amazon claims the Kindle can last for more than a week on a single charge if you're just, you know, reading books, if you're not using the wireless capability. That's, we should probably also talk a little bit about the differences between the Kindle and the, and the Sony book reader. Uh, the Kindle is a wireless device and it, uh, it works really well with Amazon's electronic bookstore. So you can purchase books directly from your Kindle and have them download straight to the device. You don't have to sync it with a computer. Um, you can connect it to a computer and, and transfer files over from the computer to the Kindle, but it's not necessary for the Kindle to work. Uh, the Sony one is different. You have to sync that with your computer. But on the flip side, the new version of the Sony e-reader has a touchscreen uh which the Kindle does not and you can even change pages by swiping your finger across the screen which to a lot of people that's that's so much more attractive than pushing a button um for one thing it kind of brings back that feeling that you're reading a book you know you're turning a page uh for another the amazon one of the criticisms that the uh, amazon Kindle has uh, has had over the brief uh, period of its life is that uh the button placement is such that if you pick up a Kindle you're almost guaranteed to accidentally turn a page because the buttons are on the side of it. So you don't, you know, you're trying to put your hands in such a way where you're not covering up the screen or smudging the screen, but that means you're touching the sides. That's where all the next page or, or previous page buttons are found, and uh, they're large, so mm-hmm. it's very easy to accidentally hit one of those. And then next thing you know, you're on the wrong page. Um, so yeah, they they each have their own merits and their own drawbacks. Um, I think they're both. From what I've seen, very good devices. I think they're both also probably a little more expensive than the average consumer would care to spend for something that they would think of. Hey, this just re- this just lets me read books. Um, the Kindle I know is I think three fifty nine mm-hmm. right now, and that's uh, all, unless you use Oprah Winfrey's coupon, <laughs> in which case it's it's uh, three oh nine. Oprah Winfrey uh, uh, called the Kindle her favorite gadget recently. And uh, I'm sure that gave a nice boost to Kindle sales. Um, the Sony one, I think, is a. I believe the new one's going to be 400.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, but that's you. You bring up an interesting point because mm-hmm. neither of these is just an ebook. That's true. anymore because they both um, they both handle a variety of files mm-hmm. um, and both of them play music, right. Um, you can listen to, uh, MP3s on, on either one of them. So you can listen
1: to an audible book on your book reading device.
0: There you go. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the Kindle can download, um, RSS feeds. That's true. And, uh, you can also get newspapers and things on yeah, there too. Yeah, you can look at so blogs and things. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, these are much more sophisticated than those, those very early ebook readers. Sure. Um, and talking about price uh that's one of those things that that people who are particularly critical of the the ebooks i think um really point out is you know hey i got to spend 3 or 4 hundred dollars for this machine and on top of that i'm paying full price for the books because in the uh the bookstores essentially you're not really getting a discount or at least not much of a discount on on electronic books themselves yeah so um You know, that's something that you have to, to weigh. Now there are conveniences too. You can take a whole library full of stuff in your backpack and it doesn't weigh any more than the electronic reader. Right. Um, which is nice if you're going on a trip or, um, you know, they've been talking for a long time about students who could download textbooks. You could have a stack of textbooks and not have to worry about it or people who use a lot of literature like, um, physicians or lawyers who are going to have to carry lots and lots of documents and lots of books for reference. This is a, a great thing for them. Um, then again, those materials, I'm not sure how much of that is available because it seems like the majority of the stuff I've seen is entertainment. Right. Yeah, the, the, the Kindle can hold,
1: according to Amazon, up to 200 titles. So when you think about that, you could carry – it's the same as being able to carry 200 books wherever you go – and there's a, a capacity for a smart card, so you can hold even more than that, really. And um, and not only that, but you can delete the stuff that's on your Kindle, and it actually still exists on a on a online cloud computing kind of um, account. So you can always download it again for no additional charge because you've already purchased the book. So yeah, you've got this potentially unlimited library that you can carry around with you because since again, since it's wireless, you could always download a book that you already purchased and delete another one, whatever you want to do. Um, so the convenience factor definitely is there. Uh, the The question about the price is a big one, the, the price of the individual books. Um, from a publisher standpoint, uh, I, I'm sure it has to be a little frightening because – Theoretically, an author could bypass a publisher completely. Yep. And self-publish and allow, you know, sell these electronic books on his or her own website. Now, the author would have to pay for hosting services and probably for bandwidth as well as people downloaded the book. But on the other hand, the author would get to keep pretty much all the profit. Yep. I mean, right now, I can tell you from, uh, from my own experience, uh, I- I'm the son of authors. Both of my parents are published authors.
0: I know you're a son of an author.
1: Yes. And, uh, son of two authors, actually. But, uh, the authors do not get to keep 100% of the profits (laughs) from their books. Actually, the percentage is very small in comparison to the, um, to what the public publisher gets.
0: And they don't get to keep the copyrights either. And because they've licensed that to to the publisher.
1: no, you can't sit there and call the publishers necessarily like big, mean, greedy people because no. there are, there are very real costs associated with publishing. I mean, you're talking about using hard uh, materials to create books, so you're talking about paper and you're talking about ink and you're talking about a, a the the actual printers, distribution,
0: and, marketing, and marketing.
1: Yeah, all I mean, of these things, things are cost important. money, right? And uh, now ebooks takes a lot of that. And eliminates it, you don't have to worry about production costs as much, you have to worry about hosting and you have to worry about bandwidth. Uh, marketing can be a lot more simple when you're using just electronic versions of marketing, you know social networks, things like email, Twitter newsletters that kind of stuff um, It has the potential to really kick publishing in the pants, which I think is another reason why we see the ebook phenomenon taking longer than you would imagine it would take. Because I don't know that a lot of publishers are really eager to jump on that train just yet. They're still a little wary of where this is going to go.
0: Sure, sure, and for good reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are plenty of good reasons from a business perspective to be a little nervous. Now, granted, if they can find a way to capitalize on that, to monetize it, um, first of all, I don't think that physical books are ever going to go away right uh they just have to make sure that they are able to balance it out just right so that they produce enough physical books to meet that demand without overproducing and then operating at a loss and also a way to monetize the electronic books so that it makes sense from a financial standpoint to offer both um if they can find that then you know they've hit the holy grail which is and what's interesting is this doesn't apply just to to publishing uh, you could say that online distribution, I mean, that's going to be the future of delivering entertainment and information. It already is to a large extent here. Right. But you're, you're not just going to see this in the, in journalism and, and publishing. You're going to see it in television. You're gonna, and it's already happening in television and music, movies. All these things are, are looking at online distribution as the next big thing. And mm-hmm. it's either the next big scary thing or the next big, this is awesome. We're all really filthy rich thing.
0: I'm for the last one.
1: I I would uh yeah, I would not object to being filthy rich.
0: <laughs> right now you're just filthy.
1: I yeah. I hear that I hear that wealth is a burden, but it's one I'm willing to bear. <laughs> All right, then. Well, I guess we've uh, pretty much covered this uh, topic from from start to finish, I think. Cover it's to a, cover. Cover to cover. Nice. Good one.
0: I think it's time to turn the page.
1: That, oh, oh, you were ahead. You were <laughs> ahead, and now you're behind again. <laughs> uh. But if you want to learn more about ebooks, you can read lots of articles such as How the Amazon Kindle Works. That's going to be live at HowStuffWorks.com, and we'll talk to you again really soon.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at
1: HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?